If this were an episode of Sesame Street, this week's episode would be brought to you by the number seven and sponsored by your good friend and mine, Sean Harris. Welcome to the 77th show of They Don't Wake Up Like They Used To! Hello and welcome to Sunshine Radio, broadcasting from St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin and I will be your host through the next hour and a half as we celebrate the 77th show of going through Hollywood's pre-1980 back catalogue to see what historical germs we can unearth, drag back into the spotlight and shove in the microwave for a good going over. Why pre-1980s, I hear you ask? Well, we had to have the cut-off somewhere and the year where I started forming memories seemed as good a point as any. With me in the studio today is our former mentioned sponsor, Sean Harris. Hello there. Hang on a second, I'll put on your mic. Okay, okay. hello there. <laughs> hey, Sean, how are, you doing? how are you doing, sir? Yeah, we're doing, doing well, doing good. Okay, yeah. cool. Good stuff. How's your day been today? It's been it's been busy, but yeah, no, I've uh, I've had a good day. I've listened to quite a lot of radio shows actually today, <laughs> and there's a a really good Mark Commode, you know that. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Mark Commode. Yeah, yeah. And I've been listening Him to Simon Mayo. Simon Mayo. Yeah. yeah. So so that was quite lucky, really. Uh, all right, cool. Now, um, how are you feeling about seventy seventh show? Oh, seventy seventh show. Yeah, I'm. I've. I've been really excited about this. I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Okay. I will explain why I think that you're the sponsor of tonight's show in a second. But first, let me explain why this show is being brought to you by the number seven. So recently, we realized that we were approaching 77 shows and nobody has found out. So we have they haven't cut us off yet. And due to something you said, Sean, we decided to mark it by speaking about films that were themed around the number seven. Now, usually on the show, we would start with a bona fide classic, uh, followed by going into the hospital for a patient's story about the first film that they ever saw at the cinema. Then we would talk about A Hidden Gem, a film that might not be well known, but is awesome anyway. And we would bring it all home by having an exception to the rule, which is a film made after 1980, but worthy of a begrudging, curmudgeonly adoration. That's what usually happens. But it's going to be a little bit different tonight. Right, let me explain why in my mind you're the sponsor of the show tonight. I think that tonight is the culmination of a few things that you have been crying out for for a while. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a culmination. Okay, first up, you have been crying out for a remake special. I have. You, you have been going, oh, let's talk about remakes, let's talk about remakes, okay. You've been crying out for a remake special, that's the first thing. And you are the one on this show who's always going on about us having a theme and making sure that the films we talk about are linked in some way. So, yeah, that's number two. Why I reckon you sponsor this. Number three, you do not need an invitation to wax lyrical about westerns. Exactly right. <laughs> Either individual films or the genre of westerns as a whole. And tonight, at least two of the films that we're talking about are westerns. And another one is from a genre that is both inspired by and an inspiration to westerns. Now, seeing as tonight's show is themed around the number seven, some of you listening would have already have figured out what we are doing on the show tonight. <laughs> but for the rest of you, you have to wait a little while longer before we reveal a thinly veiled plan in all of its glory. So, seeing as the, we're going to be talking about films, it's going to be about the number seven, there were actually a lot of options to pick. As somebody pointed out last night, we could have done seven Seven, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Giles, friend of the show. I had a couple of suggestions on this show. We could have done seven. Any other show, films you Yeah, there's of? a film called Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which mm-hmm. was like a, a Hammer film. And as you know, ha- Hammer used to make horror films. Yeah, and yeah. And 
As they, they, was, they come back, they started doing they, it again. They've started doing it again. Yeah. Well, this is like a kung fu film. So in the 70s, when the kung fu movies became popular, they decided that they would put Dracula in a Chinese setting with Van Helsing just happened to be there at the same time. Yeah. And so they could make this, this film. So it's like... Uh, Horror meets Kung Fu. So, it, yeah. <laughs> Hammer meets the Orient. Hammer meets the Orient. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And there's Seven Deadly Sins, I so, think, as a film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was actually looking at some of the other ones. There's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Which we have spoken about on the show before, but I will never, never miss an opportunity to play Howard Kill singing, Bless your, your beautiful, beautiful hide wherever you may be. <laughs> I, I love that song. That is such a good song. <laughs> I love that song. Howard Kill, a master of song, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Seven Years in Tibet. Seven Years in Tibet. Another, another Brad Pitt movie with seven in the title. Seven Year Itch. Seven Year Itch, yeah. Yep. I had that down. Seven Year seven Itch, Marilyn Monroe, the dress, the, the iconic image and everything like that. The, the, I think the one image from a film that was a marketing campaign in itself... <laughs> Was Marilyn Monroe in that dress standing over that subway yeah, grill? Yeah, that was that, that. That was essentially the entire marketing um, budget or m- entire marketing scheme for the film. It was like, hey, look, Marilyn Monroe in the dress. The dress is going up. Come watch the film. Massive. <laughs> People don't even care what the story is about. Like, yep, we're gonna go see that. And um, the Seventh Seal. The Seventh Seal. Yeah, the Seventh is Seal. So Bergman. Bergman. Yeah. yeah, Bergman and Klinsky. Is it? Was it Kinski? I'm not no, sure no, if Kinski no, was in it. it. Oh, who was the guy? The main. Oh, never mind. I can't remember his name. He, no, I think it is Kinski who plays the knight who's playing chess with. Oh yeah, yeah, with yeah, death, yeah, 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 with death. Yeah, um, there's and this one, I, I was actually, I was like, yeah, this one does have seven in it. Snow White and the Seven, seven Dwarfs. Dwarfs. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the first full-length animated movie. We could have spoken about that. You've mentioned Seven Year Itch. Going a bit modern, there's Seven Pounds with Will Smith in it oh, and yeah. everything like that. These are all films that. We could have picked, but we will not be talking about these films in depth tonight. <laughs> that is it. They've had the moment in the spotlight is is out of the way. Instead, we have decided, and by we, I mean I, I have decided that we will track the way a story changes through the ages, through international cinema. Like, well, starting off in international cinema, then going into Hollywood, and then through the Hollywood regurgitator machine to be made again. With that being the case, the first film that we will be talking about tonight shall be... Hang on a second. Wait for it. Get ready for it. All together now. First one we're talking about tonight shall be Seven, Seven Samurai. Samurai. Yes. And now, for those of you who have patiently waited for this, you now have an idea of exactly what we're going to be doing on the show tonight. <laughs> so, the first one we shall be talking about tonight shall be Seven Samurai, the 1954 Akira Kurosawa movie. That is one of the most influential movies made by a massively influential filmmaker. So it's like right at the top when you talk, when you talk about yeah, cinema huge. and you talk about things things being done. Um, we would just like to say we hope you will indulge us a little bit. I know 77 is not that particularly a big number. We just thought this would be fun. And if you are uh, missing the patient interviews where we get to speak to patients in the hospital in a pet ward, Alveston, about the first film that they ever saw at the cinema, um, it will be back next week. But just... Bear with us. Bear with us for this one week. We promise that we have something we think should be good. We 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 yeah, we really we really hope we so. Hope so. We hope so. If not, we're going to be in big trouble. So, <laughs> first of all, Seven Samurai. But before we do it, let's have some music from Seven Samurai. And this is the ending theme of Seven Samurai.
Yes. Now yes. that's a nice little very beautiful, mellow. Yeah, very mellow, especially after what was a little bit of a manic start of the show. <laughs> that's just like okay, everybody, yeah. let's just chill. Let's just relax. Take it easy. Let's take it easy. <laughs> let's listen to the ending theme of Seven Samurai, which it, in comparison to what has just gone before it, when that music plays, it's I think it's a bit like that because just before that, it's quite manic. The yeah, ending of the is film totally, is, totally is, crazy. is really yeah. manic and really crazy. And so to give you a little bit of a presi of what the storyline is of Seven Samurai, so as I've said, it's a 1957, 1954 movie directed by Akira Kurosawa, the legendary Japanese filmmaker. So it is a Japanese film. For those of you who have who have an aversion to subtitles, get over it. Great film. Go, top, go, top film, yeah. yeah go been, go read. Yeah. And it and uh, for a lot of the, I think there's a lot of films that you might like, like adventure movies and everything like that, that borrow stuff from this film. So the whole idea is that you have this village. You have a Japanese village and they have these bandits that come up, that show up, and this is pretty much the this is pretty much the Obviously, because we're talking that we're doing like a remake stuff, so yeah, this yeah, one has yeah. been remade a couple of times. And this is this so this is pretty much the storyline for every single film we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the storyline for every single film. So there's a, a whole bunch of guys in a, a village, and they have these bandits that come in every time, every year, and take their harvest and just take the harvest and just essentially beat them or hold them under the thumb. And they're thinking, look, we can't keep doing this. We need to change things. We need to. We need to fight for ourselves we need to get rid of these guys but they think well we're farmers we can't fight what are we gonna do so they send a couple of people away from the village to go find people who can come back and fight for them and when they go away i mean this is a time one of the there's quite a few different themes that show up in this film because i think akira kurosawa he he the samurai were from kind of like they they samurais would have lords so essentially you'd be like it would be they came from rich stock, rich and, stock it, yeah. and it was kind of like high born or it was like a class system in the, in japan and i think at the time that this film was made it's it so shows a thing when things are changing a little bit where samurais they're essentially warriors. Yeah, that's all they're doing. They've dedicated their whole lives to being warriors. I, I, I guess they're a bit like the medieval knights of, yeah. of you know, yeah, of uh, Europe, of Europe. Really. Yeah, yeah. And so you'd have a lord, but then when in the, when your lord got killed or died or anything like that, the samurai became a ronin, which was like a samurai without a master. So essentially, they were going to go out there and going to find the ones to find really, really great warriors. But they obviously, if you find a samurai, he's going to have a master. So you're going to try and find. They're, they're essentially looking for a ronin. Ronin, yeah. And they walk. They come across um, one samurai who is well, one ronin really, who has his. He's just essentially wandering. He's wandering around, and they get to a point where they have. Um, they're they're in another village. And there's a guy who has a kid in a room or something, and then this, yeah. and uh-huh. then this samurai goes into the hut to to essentially release the kid. And the way he does it, and all that kind of stuff, they go, "That's a guy. That's a guy." We we yeah, sorry, go, yeah. Sean. No, I'm, that's that's right. That's the, the the villagers. They try to persuade this um this this Ronin yeah to go in and you know rescue the boy. And he just says, "I always remember that because I, when I saw this film, he goes get me three rice balls." Yeah, and, and I think that's that that scene. So he has the three rice balls. And yeah, he says, "Oh, I'm going to bring you in some food." Um, and it's just yeah, that's that's a really really great scene. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 because obviously this is the kind of film that it it was in Japan and obviously wasn't wasn't thinking about the international world and it was thinking about Japanese issues Japanese, and all yeah. that. And there's a very significant thing because samurai were always used to have long hair with like the knot on top, like, you know, which has become the stereotypical view of like a Japanese warrior with a top knot and all. 
and there's a and that the hair meant a lot to them. Big time. Yeah. And there's a scene right at the beginning where Kambe, the the lead the lead samurai, he sort of to to be able to go in there because he knows that if this guy thinks he's a samurai, he's not going to let him in because he's going to be he's a so he he tries to convince him I'm a monk I'm a I'm a peaceful monk mm. I'm going to come in here I'm going to bring you rice balls I'm going to uh, like you know let's let's talk about it. let's not harm the kid so he shaves his hair mm. he shaves his hair and that's kind of like a symbolic thing of saying. I'm forgetting about this. I'm leaving. Away, I'm leaving my path, uh, my past behind, and so he goes and he saves the kid. And then they, the these villagers look at him and go, "That's a guy. We need him." And so they go to him and they talk to him and they convince him to come. They're like, "We have nothing. We have nothing. Um, come and fight for us. Uh, we will feed you." <laughs> that's about yep that's, that, about that's about that's about all we can give you we can feed you while you're here and everything like that and i think it's also the fact saying that okay this is a guy who really doesn't have many options used to have uh used to have a lord used to have a purpose used to have all that that's all gone and then he's presented with this thing of here's something that you can go for again and there's this undercurrent of yeah there's a purpose to this i'm going to and so he goes all right cool this is what you have we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna come help you but i need to b- build a team together and he goes around speaking to all these people and hence the title of the film, trying to find these other samurai, essentially Ronin, who will come back and um who will come back and fight for these villagers. Yeah, try and protect the village, yep. And and this is where you have one of the tropes that this film has that has you just see showing up again and again and again. All the way even into one of my favorite films of all time, The Blues Brothers. You have the whole let's get the band back together. Let's put the band. Yeah, let's put the band. And you have this whole sort of recruiting montage where he goes and you see him recruiting each one of the different ones. How he decides who's going to have. And there's a bit where you have they come across a, a samurai battle and they explain the whole sam- the way it stands like the two samurai just standing there with swords facing each other in a circle and they're just sort of sizing each other up and then they have one blow and then the fight's over and then the guy who wins the fight is like okay cool we're gonna have that one and we're gonna and. They bring him in, and so then then they have they end up with uh, a group of six samurai who are going to go over, and then there's one samurai that just keeps following them around. That's right, yeah. Played by Akira Kurosawa's one of his 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 stock actors. Yeah, yeah, it's one of his stock actors. I mean, I can't remember the guy who played the guy who played Kanbei showed up in quite a few Kurosawa yeah, yeah, yeah. movies. Yeah, but I think nobody showed up in more Kurosawa movies than Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure how how to pronounce the name, but I say I'll, I'll just say from Mifune, and if someone can correct me, please do. And uh, it's and. Yeah, so played by him, and he's this sort of like crazy character who keeps saying, "No, look, I'm a samurai. I'm a samurai. Yeah, look, look at this. Look at this. Yeah. I've got a certificate to prove I'm a samurai." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he keeps following them and bugging them and bugging them, and they're just like, "Oh, leave us alone. Leave us alone." And eventually, he sort of like he gets accepted into the group, and then they go to the village. Then it's and so all this thing seems to be so far. What you've been seeing is a window into Japanese culture, a window into a changing time when it was going from like, you know, you had samurais who were kind of like the old school way of doing things. And maybe there was like, you know, winds of change coming along and people trying to find their place in this new world. And you have you have this and you have this whole and there's this whole thing between the samurai, like when they first show up at the village and people are hiding because they're scared. Well, they're scared of anybody who they don't know because of what the bandits have done. And there's there's a couple of bits in the film where usually it's Toshiro Mifune who is pretty much given a sermon or a statement of intent that I think Kurosawa is doing of this is what we're trying to do with this film. Like where he tells the villagers off for hiding after people have come to help them. There's a scene where he tells a samurai off 
for uh, essentially acting all high born and all yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh look we're we're a class above the villagers and everything he tells them off and then it reveals that he isn't who he says he is that he he isn't who he says he is because he's been walking around with this samurai thing and all that so he's he's almost kind of like the moral he's a crazy thing and a moral center of the film who tells these people off for treating those people like they're rubbish and tells those people off for treating those people that they're rubbish and this is all building up to obviously the bandits coming back and when the bandits come back, you have the ma- massive set piece of the movie, which is the fight. It's essentially the samurais fighting the fighting of the bandits and all that. And th- there's there's a lot to talk about in this film. But I mean, I'm just gonna pause there before we get to the fight and let you talk, Sean. Okay, yeah. The the um, Toshiro Mifun character, Mifun, whatever. Yeah, whatever we, so anyone correct? We can us. spell it. We, I, uh, we can an, spell another it. bit I really remember is he does a flag. Yeah. And he does six circles. And a triangle on this flag. Yeah. And they say, what's that? He goes, well, that's six. And they, that one's me. So yep. the triangle is like him because he's sort of not he, quite. He's he, a bit of a clown, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a clown. But, a bit of- but they end up really, really liking him. And he becomes um, quite, you know, quite important in the final battle scene, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he- it's, um, but some of the scenes there as well, the scene you were talking about earlier where the two samurai face off. Yeah. Uh, that That's just a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the young boy that's recruiting the the samurai. Yeah, he, he thinks the one that's making all the noise because the guys go like that, and yeah. he says, and Tambay goes, "Yeah, watch the other one." He just stands there silently. Yeah, and then it's just sort of all over. Oh, yeah. I won! I won! <laughs> so yeah, no, there's there there is some really really great moments in it, and the actual action scene at the end with the back. Well, there's a couple of, of yeah action sequences. Because- yeah. And I think the film, he must have used lots of different cameras because it's it's, it's just hectic, you know. He, he, I think he, he did do that because um, he was... Uh, essentially, there's a whole bunch of technical stuff that can be quite boring mm. whenever... <laughs> on almost, almost every single great film, there's technical stuff that could be quite boring that the director pretty much has to be... To put it mildly, has to be really annoying about to everybody around him yeah. to get done and I think w- with this he he was like no I don't want to film this in a studio I want to film this in a, but they pretty much built a village because it's like it looks better it looks real if you build it in a studio it will look fake and because of the thing that was going on it took them ages to film this battle and he he essentially used three cameras to film this so you could put it in like you know panoramic or sort of like wide vision and all that because he wanted people to feel like they were in the battle in the battle yeah. and for, for something made in 1954 it's still holds up today yeah it still holds and i the thing i love about the final battle is as well that they don't have this whole thing where as you do in in law films we have one big massive blower battle and then it's over but it's almost like a campaign yeah it's a campaign because the first wave of the guys coming and then they fight them off and they're like okay cool we got them away and then now it's the night time now let's go for the set and then the, the second wave come in and all that and then you have the bit where they realize okay now we've gotten rid most most of the bandits but they're coming for one final wave and then the final wave is where everything goes everything off goes. and all that kind of stuff. And I think that there's and there's one particular scene that just that it's not one of the major scenes in the film. It's because the film does have all these little side themes about it. Because reading about Kurosawa, Kurosawa was he was from a higher class in Japan. He was from a, and apparently he was quite ashamed of what like you know his class would have would have did to the other ones and so there's there's a massive scene with um, Toshiro Mifune where he's talking about 
how what life is like for villagers and what life is like for peasants and don't you know it's you people who made them this way it's the samurai that made them this way yeah. and all, because of the way you've treated them all these years and all. and that's essentially like his apology for his heritage pretty much yeah and, and so so he he has so you have all these little sort of like side notes almost that just sort of go off like there's there's a bit of a love story between um the youngest samurai the youngest samurai who who's with them and um and a young girl in the village there's a guy in the village who's whose wife got taken by the bandits and there's a bit where they go to raid one of the bandits hideouts and the guy sees his wife again and that that scene where he sees his wife again and then she comes out because obviously she's been turned into a concubine for mm. the for the bandits and god knows what's happened to her and she comes out and she sees her husband and because they they've burnt down the building and she comes out of this building as it's burning down sees her husband and it's almost kind of like she just looks at him and she's like, no, no, can't do this. And she just walks back into the burning building. And that scene just sort of like sticks out in my head. And it tells you quite a bit about sort of like, you know, the Japanese notions of honor and honor, all yeah, that. Yeah, they're really, what, really big. Yeah, and what it, what it means. And I feel like this film, for a lot of people, was, well, I think it's 1954, Japan was like a weird land to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably... They, 10 years after the 10 years after second the second world, world war, war yeah so they they would have they wouldn't know much about them apart from there probably was a lot of language being used to describe them that would be dis- considered racist today yeah. and the way they would have th- talked about them and i felt like this film was like an opening into japanese culture that a lot of people had in, and it was just those sort of things and those little things that tell you about this is the world we live in this is the class system that's going on and it's also the fact that it's I feel like it's not not just an action movie it is an exploration of these people and the fact that it does all that and still gives you the action I think is one of the <laughs> one of the reasons why it's just such such a great film nowadays and um and and, and and throughout the whole thing there's the whole thing that as 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 much as the samurai do not regard the peasants as much that the peasants, on the other hand, are just using the samurai. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, we don't really care about you. But I mean, the the father of the girl who's who's making eyes on one of the samurai doesn't want her to have anything to do with the samurai and all that kind of stuff. So there's this kind of like, bo- what's the word? Um, prejudice. Prejudice. Yeah. That goes both ways in, and it and it 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 delves a little bit into that and all and all that, and it's just like you know, and even the final lines of the film where because it's I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say in in this film and the remakes that we're going to be talking about today of the seven seven samurai not all seven survive no, no. <laughs> by the end of the film you think essentially by the end of the film you're thinking uh, if they're going to make a sequel gonna, they're going to have to find a few more samurai but you know what's interesting about the, all the samurai that die oh, they're, no. they're, they're all shot they're all killed by guns oh none of them are killed by swords or arrows they're all of them Oh, so yeah, that goes into the whole like the the world is changing yeah. thing as well. That they, it's a they, changing the, thing. The bandits have got three guns. Yeah, 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 because that plays a that actually yeah. plays like a bit into the mm. whole thing about trying to get the rifles off them because they're like, how are we going to fight against these things? Yeah, because it's the world that's changing and all that. And yeah, so the yeah. samurai, the old order, is destroyed by the so new. It's quite an interesting fact that I think sometimes oh. people overlook that. Yeah, I did, that no, that did not occur to me. No. <laughs> yeah, that, that did not occur to me. And um, oh, good lord, we we need to move on to yeah. <laughs> we need to move on to other things. Uh, okay, one one final interesting fact. Originally, the film was called six samurai okay because there were only going to be six samurai and toshiro mifune was he was cast as somebody else he was cast as one of the other um samurai but then while they were writing it kurosawa looked at it and went 
if we have six samurai being noble, that's going to get quite boring. So they created this new character <laughs> and told, they told me, yeah, yeah, you're going to be this new character. And pretty much he told him to just pretty much improvise. And so he improvised the character. <laughs> and he was brilliant. <laughs> and he was brilliant. And yeah, he's he's he like one of the standouts of the film because everybody remembers him, remembers him for just what he does and the way he goes about it. But as I was saying, like, you know, not all the samurai survive. And at the end of the film, there's this whole thing where, uh, uh, where one of the samurai—I don't want to say which one because that would be, that would be a giveaway. Although I have to say that this 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 is a character who, whichever the allegory for this character, seems to survive through every single iteration of this film. <laughs> he seems to survive it, and um, he sort of he's talking about <clears throat> he's talking about uh, at the end of it, and he goes, "Okay, cool, yeah, we've done this, but that's our job done." now we go off and it's essentially we go off to go find the next adventure next adventure but all that we fought for wasn't actually ours it wasn't for us it was for the farmers they carry on we have our own path to go tread and then they carry on and so it ends up on quite a philosophical note yeah definitely that it, and i think it, it just there's just so much of this film that stays with you and there's so much there's so much more we could talk about and all that kind of stuff but hopefully as we carry on it will become more and more apparent what has um um, the the effects that this film has had and how uh, influential it has been. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many films where where you know people have gone off and got a little group of people together to yeah to go do to, something, to go do something, go <laughs> to, on a, yeah <laughs> to to go do something, and they have a love story that comes in from one of yeah. the outsiders or yeah. something else and all that it, kind of stuff. It's funny what you were saying about the class, you know, about the the class system as well. That that bit where one of the samurai has a bit of a thing with one of the daughters of the villagers yeah. because. You know, they really look down upon the the, the daughter for yeah. having this. You know, and yet you'd think they would be. Oh, you know, we've got someone who's of importance. But yeah. it wasn't, was it? It they wasn't. Like, it wasn't no, like no, that. No. It was. It was real resentment. Yeah. It was real, real resentment. resentment that essentially you've had your foot on our neck yeah. for years, and we're sick of it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 I think also because the world is changing. So these are because these samurai in the film they're ronin and they're pretty much disgraced yeah. samurai. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, but um, all right, cool. Well, man, I could talk about that for ages. <laughs> yeah, we, we really could. We, but we we need to carry on. We need to carry on. So, imagine what happened. So this was made in 1954. Six years pass. This is a, this is a massive film. It goes to international film festivals. It wins awards all over. Like I think the Venice Film Festival, it won like the best film thing. Mm-hmm. It, it introduces Japanese cinema to the world and of course Hollywood hears about this and as everybody knows that in Hollywood they don't like reading so <laughs> anything that has subtitles has to be remade and it has to be given an American accent so <laughs> six years so six years six years pass six years pass and then the the inevitable happens it gets remade in Hollywood but this, and we're going to play the music for what it gets remade by, because this is, it tells the whole story, quite frankly. And so the film, uh, so Seven Samurai travels across the Pacific, gets to Hollywood, and it gets remade as a film that has this as a theme tune.
Yeah. Great score. Great yes. score. Now, if you are going to take a film and if you are going to take an international film and remake it because people can't read, get Elmer Bernstein to do the score. <laughs> Indeed. Get Elmer Bernstein on it because that is a classic in its own right. The music just... It's iconic, isn't it, really? I actually knew I knew that music for years before I knew what it was and before I knew what film it came from. And the fact that the music is called The Magnificent Seven Theme tells you which film it was from. <laughs> so this is The Magnificent Seven. So it gets over to America because obviously Seven Samurai has made a big, big noise. You have Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner, who is, oh, at that time, he's a star. He's, he's Everybody knows who he is. And he goes to the studio and says, there's this film really like it i think we should remake it but he wants to remake it as a western because obviously that was like a big uh, that was the big american genre at the time it was i think it almost in a way at that time it was westerns or musicals it was yeah that's that's, <laughs> that's what it was yeah it's, it was just those were the big money makers at the time so he wanted to make it as a western and one of the things that I've, you know, okay, we know we 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 bang on about remakes on this show, obviously, because we like being, ah, oh, it was better when it was older. Nah, oh, why did they remake it? Oh, what, what's wrong with them? But I actually think remaking this as a Western makes a lot of sense because, as we said um, earlier, from the samurai genre and the Westerns, there's just a lot of sort of cross pollination yeah, yeah. a lot of similarities a, really. lot, a lot of similarities because like, we were talking about even Kurosawa's movies quite like some of them that have been remade as westerns like um, you want to just Yojimbo yeah Yojimbo Yojimbo remade as what Fistful of the Dollars Fistful of Dollars and Last Man Standing with uh, uh, Bruce Willis as with well. Bruce Willis yeah, yeah. so that's, yeah. that's been made a couple of times yeah and it's, yeah so yeah so carry on for, yeah a few there's um, what, other, what other westerns have been made um well, I mean, just the Magnificent Seven has been yeah, made into yeah. to lot. They had lots of sequels, so yeah, yeah. But it's it's there is a link between them. So I think it's actually quite clever because, especially when you talk about some of the themes we're talking about, where you have a world changing. Yeah, you have a world changing, and the old West was all about change because it it's like the world West that you see when you actually go into the history. It was all about everything is shifting everything is it's people are going on gold rushes because nobody owns that land right? no nobody owns that land in inverted commas so let's go put a flag in it and let's go stake it and it's all it's all changing and people are trying to figure out what part they have to play in this world so i think if you're going to transport something that comes from so like that feudal japan time and you want to move it to america it's a similar time so so that that at least makes uh, makes some sense about, about it so obviously they go there and then they they decide okay we need seven people and then they they pack a cast full of up and coming at that time can up you and, name them all toast uh, i feel like i've cheated with this question uh -huh. i feel like i've cheated with this question because i saw this yesterday all i right. actually watched magnificent seven all the way through for the first time yesterday so i can name all seven of them can you so, name them but their character names as well as their actor okay names? now you're asking <laughs> now now you're asking i know that we have yul brenner who's yep. the leader of the pack he play he takes on the campaign role yep. and you have yul brenner he plays a character character called Chris Chris that's right yeah plays a character called Chris then you have Steve McQueen who plays the pretty much the second in charge and I have to admit I watched the whole film I didn't hear his, his name once yeah no it's mentioned a couple of times is it yeah Finn oh yeah yeah Finn because he asked him what's Vin, your name Finn Finn he asked Vin, him what's your yeah. name and he actually says it and I was like what did he say I didn't actually hear what he said then you have um James Coburn yep James Coburn who essentially he he plays you know so what they do is that there's some scenes in Magnificent Seven that are pretty much allegories, straight up of scenes taken, yeah. in Seven Samurai. 
that they've gone, okay, that scene, we're going to come up with the Western equivalent of that scene. So the bit where you have the two samurais with the swords and they're standing there watching each other and all that kind of stuff, you have a very sort of like similar thing where they're having this game where they're having a, it's like a Mexican, or not a Mexican, but a standoff and it's like a draw competition where they stand there and they're like, okay, draw! And see who can draw first and who can shoot something, who can shoot like a, shoot a I cup, th- a I th- cup th- of think, a fence. Yeah, I think one's with the revolver, aren't they? And, and um, Brett, Brit. 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 Yes, he, yeah, that's, that's his, his name, name, Brit, yeah. With a knife. Yeah. So, and they're saying, oh, you know, uh, how fast is he? So, I think Brit well, throws the, a knife into like a corn bag or something, and the other guy shoots the cup. Sh- shoots the like, cup, yeah. And then the guy who shoots the cup, he's like, he's like, I, I won, won, I won, I won, I won, I won. I won. <laughs> you saw, come on, you saw. Yeah. And, he goes, and everybody's like, no, Brit I just, won. I just like the way he goes, you lost. <laughs> he goes, then he goes, go on, you tell him, you tell him. Yeah. You lost. And then he just sits down. Yeah. And then the guy goes back and the guy's like, okay, let's do it for real this time. Yeah, let's do, do it. it for real. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so you have that scene. And that's, 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 that's essentially. That's an iconic scene as well. Yeah. Mm. And because obviously we're not going to go into the storyline because the storyline is pretty much the same. same yeah. So instead of Japanese village, um, because when you talk about the class system as well, I think they did a clever thing in going like the class system is essentially whites and Mexicans. And because this, those, this film is a Western that is pretty much set that south of the border most yeah. of it is so it's essentially you have a you have a mexican village they never say what country it is but if you're talking about a country that shares a border with america it's mexico mexico so it's it's a mexican village that has these um bandits led by <laughs> calvera calvera like wallet yeah. right brilliant eli wallock you, you know the thing about eli wallock so he's what do you, what would you say eli wallock is most known for um uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. I guess, yep. yeah. Yep. Tuco in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, I think I think Tuco in Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and probably Calvera. Calvera, yeah. It, and, and the thing I looked it up, I always thought he was Hispanic. He isn't. He's a Jewish. He's like you know his parents are like Russian Jews. <laughs> oh, like, wow, really? Like, Wallach isn't Hispanic at all. I was like, what? What I found this out, I was like, how the but this guy's known for playing and he does and it doesn't look like it's like you know browned up face or anything no, like that doesn't. He, he was just brilliant he, yeah. like, I think it worked was so yeah and so yeah so the Mexicans that Calvera comes in and then they want to go find people to help them fight and I think it's quite clever because obviously you have well America has always had an issue with race <laughs> and that is carries on through to today and the whole thing so I think that was a very very clever transposition that they did from um from uh, from Japan to to America. Okay, I was naming the seven samurai. Wasn't you I? was yeah. So uh, we've had so far. You've had Vin. Yeah, we've had Vin. We've Chris, had Chris. We've Chris had Brit. Right. We had Brit. Yeah, and then we had we Charles had, Bronson. Yeah, Charles Bronson. Yeah, Charles Bronson shows up. Charles Bronson. They must. You must. It's mentioned a couple of times because with the little the little kids that yeah, are like oh yeah, and they yeah. say his name. They, they yeah they do say his begins name. with a B. They, no, 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 Bernardo. Bernardo. Oh, oh Bernardo. yes, yeah. Because he, he has like he has like a he has a a Spanish first name and a and an Irish surname. Irish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> O'Reilly, <laughs> O'Reilly, Bernardo <laughs> O'Reilly. Yeah. Okay. So there you have that. You have Brad Dexter, and of yeah, did not did not catch his name at all. His name's Harry Luck. Harry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he he's the one who, and I think they they do quite well in this in showing like different motivations because I think in Seven Samurai where the motivation for why these people were, were working was pretty more was kind of like we don't have a purpose we want to get a purpose they they sort of the way in which they are introduced so in Seven Samurai you have the whole thing where Kanbei saves the kid but in here they have a different one where it's about 
uh, it's about a Native American who's been who's dead, and they don't want to bury him in the graveyard for white that's people. That's the open, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, th- th- that's how you get introduced. Hell, to- I didn't think you had to be just dead to get into Boot Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then you have uh, th- that's so um, and I- that. That's, that's a great scene. Sorry, I just love that. You've, you've got my head reading. Now. No, goes, go for it. Go for it. Say see, it. He goes like, um, well, you see, son, old Ed was a was an Indian. And they don't like that. It's just yeah. the way, you yeah, know. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It. The way they said it. You yeah. can have your money back. And hell, yeah. if that's all that's holding it up, I'll drive the rig. Yeah. that's that, Who's going to pay for it? Oh, I'd like to see this. I'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a, that's the introduction you get to your yep. Brenner's Chris. Yeah. Where he's like, well. So you just want to drive this thing up there and you're scared because some people have a couple of guns yeah. and he goes on there and then Steve McQueen sort of like... Give, uh, give me that shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> Borrows yeah. a shotgun from a guy and then goes... That's, that's how the two of them meet up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's how they meet up and then they drive this hearse pretty much down the road to the graveyard and then they have a standoff with these people and the way they deal with them the way they deal with them makes the the guys from the Mexican village go, oh yeah, that's those, the guy. Those, that's are, the guys. Guy. those yeah, are the guys. Those are the guys we need. And and that's so it's pretty much it's they the the incident is different, but it's kind of like a similar thing that yeah. these guys have some sort of moral mm. idea of right and wrong. Yeah. But Harry Luck, for instance, he just goes. He he knows Chris because he knows Chris from a while back, and he knows oh Chris is onto something, and if he's onto something, there must be gold. It's gold, got to be gold, <laughs> diamonds. There's, there's, there's <laughs> got to be gold. And even even though Chris tells him no, no, it's just twenty dollars. Like, he goes, oh no, I know you, Chris, <laughs> and he refuses to believe that there isn't gold. So he signs up because he thinks that there's gold. So I thought that was like a clever way of switching things up and putting things in the West and all that. So okay, then you have Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn who plays. I do not know. Lee. His, Okay, you see Lee. now, I I don't I don't remember hearing his name. Robert <laughs> Vaughn plays plays Lee. Uh, how many have I named mentioned so far? Is that five or six? That's five. Five. You've got two more to go. You've got Hurst Bushholtz. Yeah, yeah, Hurst Hurst Bushholtz who he plays, plays Chico. Chico, what? Yes! Done, yes. <laughs> Get in there. Good job. He plays Chico. He's the young one. He yep. he plays the young one who, and I think they they sort of like change things around because in in Seven Samurai, you had. Toshimaru Fune playing the guy who follows them around and eventually gets accepted. But he's not the youngest. There's another guy who plays the youngest samurai who ends up having a thing with one of the villagers. Villages, and yeah. in this one, they have Hurst Bushels who plays Chico, who is the youngest one, but he's the one who ends up following them around, but he still ends up having it. So I think they do a little bit of changing to make it make more sense with, with, uh, with the setting that they have, which I think is quite good. And That's right, because he has to go and bring them in because there's the scene where he goes, yeah, I've never seen a town with no girls before. Yeah, because Steve McQueen goes like that, and they asked, and yeah. they said, "Oh, you know," and because that's the like from the Seven Samurai, where the villagers all hide and they yeah. get told off. Yeah, and old Husk, old Chico goes down to get the, and that's where you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's the, the thing. Chico is kind of like the he's the connection they have with the, the villagers and yeah. all that. Hang on, wait. So I've I've mentioned everybody, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, you have actually. Yeah, you've done yeah. them all. Sorry, oh, that was me. Yeah, um, Chris Finn, Britt. Bernardo Lee, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, and I love the fact that in, and this thing is with Seven Samurai. Now I do feel like when they took this um, across from uh, from Seven Samurai, they kept quite a few of these themes. They kept a few of the themes that they had, like you know, they had the class, they had the fact that the world is changing, and you have so you have the idea that, and they keep talking about jobs that these men used to do as hired guns. Like the when they meet um, Bernardo Charles Bronson, when they meet him, he talks about the fact that um, 
he talks about the fact that he's like, how much does a job pay? Yeah. I was like, $20. And he's like, what? No, people used to pay me 800 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, yeah. and he talks they about... They paid me 500 for that one. Yeah, they paid yeah. 500 They paid me 800 for that one. That's <laughs> the thing is why he's chopping wood. But right now, yeah. $20 is a lot. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so you, you get this idea that there used to be a lot of work for people like that, but now these people don't... And so some of them just do it because, yeah, they want to have... Um, a place where they will get fed. Some of them do it because, like, well, we're down on their luck and they need twenty dollars. Some, some of them, some of them do it because they're on the run. It's a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Some of them just do it because they want to be in one place for a while. So, <laughs> some of the, they, they do it just because they want to be in one place for a while. And I think so. The film is it takes some of those themes from Seven Samurai, and it does it does have the more philosophical passages as it goes through. And you have requested that we play oh, yeah. one of these philosophical passages that shows up this in The is, Magnificent Seven. And so this is a bit where they've, where they're all sitting around and they're talking about the canteen, yeah. Yeah, what it means for them to be gun singlers, what, what it's cost for them to be. And I feel like this is, I don't think that there's any particular scene I can remember in Seven Samurai that this is, like this mirrors. I can't remember any particular scene that this mirrors, but I think this is, this is the DNA of Seven Samurai yeah. saying you're having what's pretty much an action movie, but then in the mix, we're going to throw some philosophical discussions as to what it means to live this kind of life. Yeah. So um, here is the discussion from The Magnificent Seven. That was... That was the greatest... New hat for us, Sonny. Hey. How do I look? Huh? Big improvement. You know what? They make up a song about you and this hat. Villages like this, they make up a song about every big thing that happens. Sing them for years. You think it's worth it? Don't you? It's only a matter of knowing how to shoot a gun. Nothing big about that. Hey, how can you talk like this? Your gun has got you everything you have. Isn't that true? Hmm? Well, isn't it true? Yeah, sure, everything. After a while, you can call bartenders and faro dealers by their first name. Maybe 200 of them. Rented rooms you live in, 500. Meals you eat in hash houses, a thousand. Home, none. Wife, none. Kids, none. Prospects zero. Suppose I left anything out? Yeah. Places you're tied down to, none. People with a hold on you, none. Men you step aside for, none. Insults swallowed, none. Enemies, none. No enemies? Alive. Well, this is the kind of arithmetic I like. Yeah, so did I at your age. Now take these and give them to someone who knows how to use them. Yeah. While you're at it, why don't you ask Delvera what he has in mind for tonight? Yes, do that. And I'll write a song for you myself. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's just so, so, so good. That's, yeah. t to me, that, that, scene in that film is great because basically what's happened is they've gone out and they've got some guns yeah they needed some extra guns for the, the villagers to train up the villagers and the, they've got this discussion and it's just 
both sides are great, but the Yul Brenner speech where yeah. people you step aside for none, people yeah. you're tied to none. I just think to me, you know, but but it does show the two the two different, you know, because they're like masterless masterless samurai, really, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. They're like Ronin, yeah. So and and they're just expressing that point. So, but carrying on from that. I think it's really good because Chico, he takes the hat and he does actually go into Calvera's village, doesn't mm-hmm. he? To hear yeah, yeah, what's yeah. <laughs> so it leads on. It's just a, 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 a terrific scene. And Steve McQueen, I remember he takes his hat off and he looks into his, his hat while he's he's saying the, you know, yeah, jobs, yeah, yeah. none, kids, yeah. none. Because what's quite interesting, I'd off a little in the return of the seven which was a film that was made afterwards yeah the sequel the sequel because yeah. Hollywood does that that's sequels they did <laughs> yeah. um, three sequels but uh, well four now with the new one but he, um, he 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 just sort of I've lost my train of thought now what I was going to say you were going to say in the sequel oh yeah in the sequel uh, Steve McQueen didn't play the part of Vin. There's still the part of Vin yeah. where they meet up, but it was played by Robert Fuller. Oh yeah. So because Yul Brenner didn't want to work with Steve McQueen, because yeah. he kept saying that. <laughs> There's a funny story yeah. about that. Oh, was there? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, carry on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he upstaged. Uh, Yul Brenner was was really really uh, a bit upset with Steve McQueen. They didn't get on too well. <laughs> they didn't get on at all. Because <laughs> I think this was one of Steve McQueen's first yeah. first major roles yeah. and obviously he played yep. the screen didn't he different different ways I think there's a bit where he, they're crossing the river into to the village and he swoops down and picks up some some water in his hat to put it on you know which wasn't actually yeah. in the script or he wasn't supposed to do it but it's just well, yeah, yeah because with that you had a, a, it seems like Steve McQueen did this throughout his career because even in the towering inferno which was made in the 70s I had Steve McQueen and Paul Newman, and they had similar things in that because, like, apparently Steve McQueen and Paul Newman had these massive ego contests <laughs> where it went down to whose name was higher on the poster. So, first of all, it was about who was going to get f- first billing. And so, Steve McQueen won that role, one that he was like, My name's going to show up first in the Tower in Inferno. But Paul Newman, so it was like, Okay, fine, no problem. His name shows up second. But on the poster of the Tower in Inferno, his name is slightly higher <laughs> than Steve McQueen's name. And apparently, on this, on this film, you had the fact that Steve McQueen was annoyed because he was like, I only have like seven lines in this movie. So, he kept lobbying to get more lines in the film. And he kept doing things in the background to upstage Yul Brenner when Yul Brenner was supposed to be on the screen talking so yeah, like he would flip a coin he would do all that kind of stuff and even though Yul Brenner was slightly taller than Steve McQueen but whenever they had a scene where they're standing beside each other he would pack a mound of dirt on the floor <laughs> and stand on the mound wow. of dirt so he would be taller he would be noticeably taller than Steve McQueen and in between takes Steve McQueen would kick the mound of dirt off <laughs> So apparently they really didn't like each other, which which makes me have more respect for them as actors because on screen they're like buddies. Buddies, yeah. yeah like Vin, look, yep. uh, Vin, Vin and Chris are buddies in the film. They're like the ones who hold the whole team together. And, and so when you start reading about all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. That, that's actually quite interesting. It is quite interesting with, with that type of thing going yeah. on. Yeah. So, But in, in the sequel, The Return, there's the character Vin is in it again because that's they, they sort of meet yeah, up yeah. again but as I say it's, he's played by Robert Fuller in the, I, what the, the oh, never mind no, they, go on. They've, they've, they've done some they've done some Hollywood messing around with things because I'm trying to remember who dies in this film because obviously <laughs> what in, in what in the Magnificent Seven yeah the, uh, the ones who die yeah well no no don't, no, don't, 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 don't say don't say I'm just, I'm just trying to, we'll talk about this when we get off here <laughs> but yeah so you, but you do have that and I do feel like that scene it does kind of it's it's like the main philosophical thing that sort of says 
this is what we're looking at and all that because this was directed by John Sturges. John Sturges. Yeah. yeah. John Sturges, yeah, another legendary filmmaker adapting another uh, adapting another legendary filmmaker. Although I do feel that this film um I feel that it this film is more concerned with being an action movie. Oh yeah, definitely. than it is with like you know like Seven Samurai was a bit so I think a little bit of the sort of philosophical thing and about the thing and obviously I don't think John Sturges had any issues with class or anything like that like uh, how Kurosawa felt he needed to apologize for that so you don't really you have some scenes like that they don't carry the same weight and they're a little bit throwaway um, they're a little yeah. bit throwaway and it's it's it's, a, it's an action movie really it's a, yeah, it's this, a proper we- yeah, western so, so this is an action movie so it, it goes a little bit they diminish that side of it to go like a action movie but even for saying that it's a bit different for westerns because last week we were talking about Dodge City Dodge City I was going to say yeah. which put me into the which was like the film that, that started me on the western, oh, on the whole western, western genre yeah. yeah yeah, we were talking about that last week and you were talking about how in Dodge City with like there's certain things that make a western and one of them is like the bar fights yeah and all and this doesn't have no, any of that it doesn't have a bar fight yeah so I think it sort of like loses a bit of the western thing to have a little bit more of the philosophical thing to to pay homage to its source material yeah but but it is more concerned with being an action movie than it is with and it is a great action movie too i I think it is it is although the the i feel like the second part of the film slows down massively you think so yeah 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 because it's kind of like you know you have the bit where they're bringing the gang together and everything like that then they get to the village and then the film just slows down (laughs) <laughs> it's like nothing much happens for a while and then the final then, yeah i guess then, could, then the bandits show up again yeah so they it, sort of train the villagers and yeah it's, it's like, like the yeah. all the montage is the love montage then it's the training the villagers montage and it's the but i do and i think i feel like they've used that space to give each of the seven a little bit of a character yeah. like and for instance i love the scenes with bernardo and charles bronson and the three kids the, the, the three kids that pretty much adopt him as their dad. And, dad, that's and, right. And like, there's the bit where, or no, one of those philosophical moments where they go, "We want to go with you. Yeah. We want to go with you because our fathers are cowards." Yeah, fathers are cowards, and he grabs them and he yeah. he, he spanks them and They're he's like, "Never call cowards. your father a coward. Yeah. Your father's he, your father has a, has a cur- cur- courage to like have a family and get married and have responsibility and all that kind of stuff." And I run away from that my whole life. Never call your father a coward. And it's and uh, and the way that whole story plays, I quite like it i love the harry luck thing where harry luck is all kind of like gold and okay i'm gonna say harry luck is one of the cowboys he's one of the seven that dies but is even even his last thing is like tell me chris yeah tell, <laughs> tell me what's for nothing tell me what were we fighting for he he, he, he got the part because he saved frank sinatra so yeah, he, yeah. That, that's how he got the part. Yeah, think, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank yeah. Sinatra got in the part and said John Sturgis. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to John Sturgis. I was like, help me. Okay, that's yeah. actually pretty cool. That is cool. Isn't I it, think I'm really? going to start hanging around celebrities and yeah, just trying to I save think, their lives. Yeah, <laughs> just to do case. that, <laughs> and then end up in like a classic movie that everybody talks about yeah, for years. That's, that's it. Yeah. Oh, Tozin got that part because he saved Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> he pushed him out of the way of it. <laughs> truck or something what you didn't know is that it was my friend who was driving the truck <laughs> <laughs> so it's um yeah but I think even like the fact that, in this, that he's still like he's still like tell me we we're fighting for and Chris knows that he's dying so Chris goes it was gold we were fighting yeah. for gold the yeah. whole time when there's yeah. no gold whatsoever so I, I I think it's oh it is more concerned to be an action movie so yeah. I, I think if I was going to look at them I would still look at Seven Samurai and I would still say that's a that's a superior film that's yeah, Seven Samurai is definitely a superior film. I, I, I totally would agree with that. I, I think the, 
the great scenes in this film as well are with we go back to Eli Wallach mm-hmm. as Calvera and I, I think it's just great when he f- they first meet up and he goes what did we do with three of us well even four seven is not yeah. and they sort of all come out at the beginning yeah 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 where, where he's essentially where he's counting right on yeah well, Yul Brenner just says to him right on yeah I must feed my. Uh, yeah, that's great. That is that's that, that's a terrific scene as well, where they first meet up and you see, you know, Calvera's eyes looking around. Yeah, looking at counting how many people yeah. it is that the that the villagers had called. We got cheaper by the day. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's it's also even as a bad guy, they because I know nowadays, okay, a lot of the films that were released, I know that now we talk about obviously the whole thing about this show is that we just talk about how modern films are not as great. And we've complained a lot this year about films that have been released this summer and how the storylines and how the endings and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But also yeah. another big thing is the bad guys are per- not particularly, they don't have anything to them. And I think Calvera, Cal- Calvera as a bad guy, the way he sort of shows up and the way he, he sort of like, you know, in the first scene he walks in and he walk and he especially has this presence about him and he's talking to people and he's, and the the thing he keeps talking about is that I need to feed my men. Yeah. And that the only reason that he's walking around doing this thing, like from his point of view is I need to feed my men. How are my men going to eat? Eat, that's yeah, it. And, and that seems to be his motivation through the whole thing is almost like he sees himself as some sort of dad yeah. for all, he's got all to look these after men. His, his and he's got to look guys. after his... He's got, so I feel like underpinning, underpinning this is just a whole bunch of human drama like the motivations for all like i think chris the yul brenner character he pretty much just wants to right, like you you get the feeling that he wants to fight for something he wants to have something and i think yeah, vin needs a cause yeah, yeah. vin uh, steve mcqueen he, he's, he he pretty much he's like yeah you know i was thinking like this is the kind of place i could settle down and all that and you have i, I really like the motivations that they give all the different characters i think the robert vaughn character he doesn't get much time no he doesn't he really doesn't get much time but he's quite interesting as well as essentially a gunfighter who's lost his nerve yeah and it's it's so it's it's interesting though the way they put all these things in and so it makes it more than just a oh it has this action movie things like you know how you have all these people going around in in a, in a typical a sort of like 60s or 50s 60s western action sequence where they never seem to run out of bullets I think I mean oh look at the time it's going I know I think I we know. should mention the um, the the other sequels though like the the we've got the return of the seven mm-hmm. um, guns of the magnificent seven mm-hmm. and the magnificent seven ride um, which are obviously the same theme slightly different one is they basically the the last one the magnificent seven ride is a bit of a revenge film yeah and he, he actually Played by Chris is played by Lee Van Cleef, and he goes and recruits from a prison. Yeah, um, but so apart each, from each that, it's just their action ones, really. So, yeah. but that's following the same theme. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing because, well, quite frankly, it's a kind of film where I personally don't like the fact they made sequels. I, I don't like the, they might have made good enough western movies, but I don't like the fact they made sequels. I because think it was just a film. It, they could have been any westerns, but yeah, I think yeah. they used that because of you yeah, know, because the, of the name. But name. at the same time, I'm thinking. Why would you only recruit seven people? What is it with you and the number seven? Why? Why? Well, Each well, time in, you do it, the why retu- do you go, oh, yeah. I must get seven people. In, <laughs> in the return of the seven, he does actually say, oh, seven's always been my lucky number. When So there is a Brenner oh, so, oh, so, in the return of the seven. Or oh, they try, they try yeah, to make so a thing for it. Seven's, seven's have always been my lucky number. Uh, so. 
Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all great. Because they even made a TV series. They did. I didn't see any I, of the TV series, so I, I wouldn't it, know. It's something I don't want to watch because I'm like, why? This doesn't make any sense. Because the, the Seven is not like a band. They're not a band of superheroes. It's not like it's not, it's not as if like they're you know that they're just a bunch of they're just a bunch of guys a little bit down on their luck looking to help some people out and that's the whole thing and the fact that they don't all survive the movie it's kind of like what, why are you why are you beating this leave it alone <laughs> just leave it alone you got lucky once that you you remade this film from the Japanese version you remade it and you actually might make a really good film leave it at that but no no they've got to keep flogging it on flogging that horse until it's dead but they do that with the same transformers all these modern yeah, films don't they if it's yeah. successful they follow yeah. a theme unfortunately hollywood is a business and so they they need to try to figure out a way of making money and unfortunately the way they usually choose is really really devoid of imagination but but yeah yeah anyway we'll leave that there and we'll say okay magnificent seven not as good as the original but still a very still good a, film. yeah good still fun a good action film. film and now so a lot of years pass <laughs> a lot of years pass and in this time the legacy of the of seven samurai carries on you see films uh, all the way into kids tv so like pixar the second ever pixar movie was a film called a bug's life and a yeah. bug's life <laughs> and a bug's life is essentially the magnificent seven for kids and it's pretty much it's, it's a magnificent seven it's the um it's seven samurai it's a group of ants who are storing stuff for the winter and these grasshoppers come in and then the grasshoppers take all their food and say i want more food next time i come around Walken in it doesn't he play the band no no it's no. dennis is dennis it's um no, the name is is, is Hopper. Hopper, yeah. It's Kevin Spacey. Is it Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey is the oh. bad guy in The Bug's Life. And then you have this one ant called Flick who's like, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to go and fight some bigger bugs to come fight them. And they're like, no, no, we don't believe this. And they, they treat him like as an idiot. Then he goes off and he finds... They, they have a little bit of a twist on it. They have a little bit of a twist on it that he goes away and he finds these animals who he thinks are ferocious beasts. But they're actually circus animals. And, they, and he brings them back thinking, yes, we're going to fight them. Then when they come back here, and they all think, oh, he's calling us to come to come be part of a show. And then when he realizes, he's like, oh, no. But then they still have to fight them. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's a se- it's Magnificent Seven. And the and I think it also, it's, it's one of these weird things that Seven Samurai is just so influential that you have a bug's life, which references... The Mixing Seven with the Twist, but it actually more more closely references a film called The Three Amigos. Because The Three Amigos is 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 pretty much Seven Samurai uh, or Magnificent Seven the comedy. But you have the this one, you have Three Amigos. They have all these action movies that they show up in, and people see this in I think ooh, it must be like 1920s Mexico, and they see these films. But they don't understand that it's a film, and they think that these people are actually like real action heroes. So they're like, "We need to go get them to come help all the banditos." <laughs> and oh, what's the guy? El Guapo. The, uh, I've not seen it. Yeah, I've not seen oh, it. No, so oh, is it Steve Martin? It's Steve Martin. Martin. It's Steve Martin. Martin Short and Chevy Chase. Dude, you should see it, man. You, okay, you, it, it's hilarious. The the bad guy's called El Guapo, and he's obviously based on Calvera. And but he's he, and I asked a friend who's a Spanish friend. El Guapo literally means the handsome one <laughs> and, and it's like and so and so you have this whole thing where they, they've so um a bug's life more or less references that there's a film called battle beyond the stars yeah battle beyond the stars which is the magnificent seven in space or seven samurai in space 
It's a Roger Corman movie with the the height. Let me tell you, the whole idea of this film was Roger Corman. So you knew where he was. He was B movie guys. Yeah, he was, uh, he was right. all about like lowest common denominator. The when you find out that there's a spaceship in this movie that was modeled on a pair of boobs. <laughs> Robert Vaughn's in this movie as well. Yeah, Robert Vaughn. Robert, Robert, Robert Vaughn is in this plays, movie. He plays like yeah. an older, older character. Yeah, so Robert Vaughn is in this movie as well. So he sort of comes back. Where it's pretty much the Magnus Seven in space. So this carries on all through the years. I'm not sure. I think Bugs Life was in the Bugs Life was in the noughties. Three Amigos was in the late eighties, early nineties. Battle Beyond the Stars was early eighties. So these films have, it this story keeps coming back and coming back. And now it's come full circle. It has indeed. To in the cinemas nowadays, and to cinemas now, we actually have The Magnificent Seven, which is a remake or homage or whatever it wants, but the story has come back again. As you said, the um, Hollywood regurgitator machine has, has worked this magic, and now we have a new version of Magnificent Seven with Denzel Washington in the Yul Brenner role. You have Chris Pratt, who's having like who everyone's loving right now, Ethan Hawke shows up in the film with Vincent D'Onofrio it's like these not all the characters are exactly the same as either Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven you have a Korean actor um Byung let me guess right Byung Yun Lee Lee, yeah Billy Rocks yeah yeah, plays a character called Billy Rocks he's pretty much playing James Corbin well yeah actually it's really interesting this because I mean I mean I really loved it and I, I looked at some of these characters yep and I've mentioned like the guns of Magnificent Seven, Magnificent Seven, Ride Return of the Seven, and I think some of these characters are an amalgamation of from from all of those films. Oh because, yeah, um, like Good Night Robishaw. Yeah, which is which is the, the Ethan Hawke character. Ethan Hawke character. Yeah, he he has elements of the Robert Vaughn character in the in the exactly. Yeah. I've got that Robert Vaughn, and also he has elements of there's Joe Don Baker. Oh yeah, um, and he was in the Guns of Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. and basically he's. Uh, He's a sharpshooter at a circus. Yeah. And he's he's sort of lost his nerve a bit. He's only got one arm. Oh yeah. And he used to be a Confederate general. This is in the the gun the guns of Magnificent Seven, but he's a sharpshooter. Um so in Goodnight Robishaw, you've got the the coward, which is Robert Vaughan. Yep. You've got the sharpshooter, which is Joe Don Baker. Yeah. Um and in the Magnificent Seven ride, there's like a captain, I can't remember his name. Um Andy Hayes, who's yep. like a southern captain as well. So for me, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I don't know. And then the other character you've got, which is Faraday, which is the which uh, is Chris Pratt, Chris yeah. Pratt, who who is he's kind of like the Steve he's McQueen Vin. character. He's like Vin. Yeah. He's also like Warren Oates in Return of the Seven, who's okay. my favourite out of every seven <laughs> every seven film that's been made. Warren Oates, who plays Colby in the Return of the Seven. Yep. He's like the one that because you know, um, with the girls, you know, he likes the girls, and because yeah. he's got a bit of a, you know, he likes the likes the the girl he's a bit of a playboy yeah. guy yeah so colby yeah and and also in the there's kino in the guns of the magnificent seven who's very very similar basically to steve mcqueen role yeah. where even wears steve mcqueen stuff with the red yeah. shirt and the pistol so they're all amalgamations like you say the, billy the rocks stove wife chaps yeah 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 <laughs> billy rocks is um he's james coburn, james coburn. yeah he, he, he pretty much has a similar like the scene the scene where that that we we spoke about was like the standoff. Yeah, they pretty much played that scene exactly the same as in the guns and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And then he goes, then he comes up with a knife and it's like, we're gonna do it for real. Yep. That's that he, character. He, he does that whole scene that like James Corbin does. They do exactly that scene. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so he's like Brit, isn't he? He's an amalgamation of Brit. Yeah, really. That's what that's from. And there's also again in the guns of Seven, there's a character called Cassie. 
yep. who's, who's very, very similar. So for me, I mean, maybe I was looking too much into it, but yeah. I, I really loved it. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's all these characters sort of rolled into one yep. from They're, all these different movies. They just yeah. amalgamated them amalgamated all together. Amalgamated them, yeah. And there's always the Mexican. So you've got like, you've got <laughs> Pe- Pepe in the guns, Louis in return. Max in, and they're all like so. There's there's always well, a token Mexican. There, there was no Mexican in the yeah, first Mexican Seven. No, there was Chico. Oh yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he, yeah. he's a villager as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, they've they've always got Mexican. They've all, all right, what's the name of the Mexican in this? Do you know? Can you remember what he was called in the, the in the in the new one? In the new one, yeah. Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember that. Yeah. Couldn't remember that. I've, I've actually seen this movie twice. So, yeah, you know, but okay, okay you've seen, you seen the movie twice. So this time round, they changed things around by having a Native American as part of the seven, which I think is the first time they've done that. Yeah. So they had a Native American. He has his face. Do you know what his name is? I, has he got one? Is it like red? Red Sun or something like that. It's it's Red Harvest. Red Harvest. It's Red Harvest. Ah, but there they, you go. But I don't recall that ever being said in the film. But apparently the character is called Red Harvest, ah. and I think that might be because of the introduction he has, where he meets up with the Denzel Washington character, and he has a deer, and he cuts a bit from the deer, and like it almost do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. We, we won't go into that. It's a bit gruesome. But it's, it's so and so now we have this whole thing where they've decided to make a new version, and they do have a couple of nods, like Denzel Washington's outfit is pretty much. A exactly the same yeah. as Yul Brenner's outfit yeah. in the, in 1960 it's pretty much the same all black the ha- the the black hats and all that kind of stuff it's it's uh, although this time round this time you know how we said in the first magnificent 7 they adapted from seven samurai and they were more concerned with making an action movie they had a little bit of the philosophical bits in there but like you know they were they was more concerned with the it's a western so we know it has we need to get a pew 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 in there and all that in this one they seem to have jettisoned almost everything and they just yeah. focused on the action on the action totally it's on the just action. an action movie and I, and I quite like the the reasoning behind why the chris character yeah um yeah uh, who's is uh, Chisholm? His, his called, name in this? He's called Chisholm. Chisholm. Yeah, I can't remember what his first name is. Is it Ben? Ben Chisholm. Ben Chisholm. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like it's that. It's definitely Chisholm. But I don't remember what it. So yeah, the 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 motivation behind the actual seven going to protect the village, yeah. I think, is a is is a really good take. You, well, the, the the problem I found like I thought the motivation in both Seven Samurai. And the motivation in Magnificent Seven was more interesting. Interesting, yeah, definitely. I thought it was more interesting. This was was too straightforward. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, and it for me it raises questions. Like, it's pretty much a revenge story. Yep, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. If you didn't say that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the one thing that that makes his decision for him, isn't it? Yeah, it's like when he hears the name of the bad guy. So this time round, we don't have a because and they've gone rid of the class thing as well. Yeah. They've gotten rid of the class thing. So where it used to be, okay, the class of this is the higher class, this is the lower class. They've this is set. It seems like maybe about within a decade after the civil, civil war. Civil war, I would say so. To, towards the end of the century, isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's eighteen yeah. something definitely. Yeah. But it's it's about a decade after the American Civil War, and they they have the, it's essentially about this frontier town that's has spent some time building itself up. It's got a church and it has like people all over there, and people who sat there and had kids there. But then they find gold in a nearby mine, and it's all about this guy. It's it's almost kind of like, so the class thing is replaced with, uh, I guess it's it's a bit in the 
is a bit now with the whole sort of capitalist theme. You have a big, massive industrialist, and he doesn't yeah, care about the people on the ground. And he's he's trying to get rid of the people on the ground because all he cares about is making money. So he's essentially trying to run them out of the uh, run run them out of the town. So you don't have the peasants and the you don't have the peasants and the um, high class in they had in the Seven Samurai. You don't have the Mexicans and the white people they did. In this one, everybody's pretty much white. Yeah. So it's essentially white people trying to kick out white people yeah. and then white people plus Denzel Washington. And <laughs> they're a lot of fa- they are farmers though. Yeah, yeah, they, so they are farmers. A lot of farmers. So they they are farmers. They do have that. So you, but it's kind of like it's so that class thing isn't there anymore and that philosophical side of things as we said isn't really there anymore it looks it's like it looks like they might have had some inkling of trying to do those whole thing and you know how we had the whole occupy wall street and um the 99 percent and all that kind of stuff and and especially with the whole donald trump thing it looks like they could have had it looks as if they wanted to do something that was a bit more philosophical like yeah. the original seven, seven samurai and magnificent seven but then they chucked it. They chucked it and they went, no, no, we're going let's to just make an action. You'll make an action movie. So, so you don't really have that thing. You just have like a, and when we talk about Tuco, I'm not Tuco, um, Calvera. Calvera. And you talk about his motivation of, I want to feel my men, feed my men, feed my men. And this time it's like the bad guys, I want to be evil because I'm evil and that's what I do. <laughs> and so, so you do, so I do feel like, you know, it's, it, I remember we spoke about um, A Star Is Born. Uh, a while a back on the ago, show yeah. we, we spoke about Star is Born and on A Star is Born we were talking about how it's a film that seems to be it keeps getting remade but each time it gets remade it stays as good it stays as good because it seems as if they figure out oh how we this is a story for this time and now we're not going to take this story and we're going to tell it for this time we're going to add, so you go from I can't remember what the original one was what but then you get to James Mason and Judy Garland and it's about the music halls and all about that then you get to the 70s with Chris Christopherson and Barbara, Barbara Streisand and it's all about um it's all about like you know that it's a band it's about 70s band becoming like a musical star and all that kind of stuff with the music business then you end up with another another sort of or film uh, what's it called? Up close and personal with Robert uh, Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer, and but then when it when it gets to that stage, it's all about news and all about that. And so they figure always are put into different things, mm-hmm. but it stays the same. I feel like the Magnificent Seven, each time it's gotten remade, is lost something. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can see your point. I mean, from a personal point of view, I just I I I really enjoyed the film. I mean, I haven't seen any critics' reviews or heard any. Yeah. Have you Have you looked to see? I, I have. Or? Most critics aren't really happy about. They're not it. happy about. But it. but I wouldn't I wouldn't say critics listen to them and then I'll say look I'll still say go. Because yeah. It's, I think it's, some people will watch if, this film if you like westerns yeah. and you like action and yeah. you like the magnificent seven films. There's explosions, there's gunfights, there's lots of shooting. So yeah, just just go and enjoy it. Yeah, well, I think if you if you watch the if if you you would you still enjoy it. You yeah, still en- I mean it's. Uh, is, is it so the critics have have they panned it or has it just been a um, bit of a mediocre response? <laughs> I think it's mostly mediocre. Most it's kind of people are like, eh, it's, it's all right. It's middle of the road, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the way I kind of felt. I felt yeah, it's all so, right. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's because I've I think the biggest problem is that they called it the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. That because well, we've had this discussion so many times. They could have called it just some something, yeah, something yeah, different. Yeah, they, they could have. They could have called it something different. They could yeah. have called it uh, "Revenge in the Village." Reve- yeah, yeah, <laughs> something, something like that. It. Well, that's like I mean, that was like me with going back to Assault on Precinct Thirteen. They should have just called the remake, you know, a, 
assault on, Pri- s- yeah, or, on a station or, 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 or prison heist or, prison heist or, or something pr- like that prison, to, prison siege to actually put that name to it is I, I guess they're hoping to well, they're hoping that people are going to come and they're hoping that there's already a built-in audience and so because of that, people are going to come and watch mm. The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. And look look what we've done. We've got Denzel Washington. Isn't that isn't that interesting? Ooh, we got <laughs> yeah, a, he's quite a bankable uh, actor he's, he's at the moment. He's quite bankable. And, but yeah. think about it this time around. It's, it's set about 10 years after the Civil War and there's a black guy who's leading the Seven. Uh, isn't that good? And I feel like if they'd done more with that, the, the problem is I finished watching the film and I was kind of like, I don't know why they made this film. I, I can't see why they made this film. I mean, the when they originally took it from Japan and they made it in America, it is, I, I watching The Magnificent Seven, I can see why they did it. Because they thought this is a tale that can be transplanted into this area and can tell us something about us as we are now. I can see why they did it. But this film, I really can't see why they did it. Oh, no, it's, I- yeah, I, I mean, like, it's just we wanted to blow stuff up, so we're taking this old, really great philosophical story, and we're just gonna strip out all that philosophical stuff and just blow stuff up, and and it's 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 I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it, but as I said, I and I, I oh and and I I have a thing with films where they try and shoehorn the title of the film into the into the dialogue of the film, right? And the final line of this film. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like I'm watching the phone. I'm going, I'm going. Okay, that was okay. I'm okay. And I'm I'm thinking about what I think about the film. And then they have this whole thing, and they just show this thing of the graves of the people who've died and all that kind of stuff. And they <laughs> because I don't think it's essentially in every version of the Magnificent Seven. Like I don't know about the sequels, but every version of like in the retelling of the original story, only three people survive. That's it. Yeah, they, that's they, the standard thing. Yeah, there are three people survive. Four people die they change around who it is who dies and who it is who survives and all that kind of stuff so they change it around and so they have this shot where they show the four graves of the people who've died and all that kind of stuff and then they have this voiceover by um Haley bennett who I'll, I'll talk about it in a second because we we reckon that she looks like she looks like jennifer lawrence yeah we do. And, and she she's getting a lot of work nowadays she is, yeah she seems to be in everything lately. she seems to be in everything and i reckon it's because people want someone who looks like jennifer lawrence but they don't want to pay <laughs> they don't they don't want to pay they don't jennifer want to pay lawrence fees. fees yeah <laughs> which, that makes which, sense which which i think is cheeky oh but i mean she, she's good she's yeah. good but it's uh, but she's getting a lot of work right now and i think that might have something to do with it so he had this voiceover by Haley Bennett that fin- finishes up the film, mm. and I feel like I feel like they try to do something with that as well. That oh look, we have a woman, but she's not just cowering in fear. And they even say you can look after the children. She's like, no, I want to fight, and she's carrying a gun and she's shooting bandits as well. And they have that, but they do nothing with it. No. They, they don't really do much with it. And then she has this whole vo- voiceover that finishes off, and she the last lines that she says in the film are, they were. Magnificent. magnificent yeah okay okay i concede i concede on that that was unnecessary i was just like oh for goodness that, sake that, you, you just you just made this show you just made this film go down a bit yeah, in my mind yeah, okay. you really made this I'm, film... I'm gonna concede on that i've sort of <laughs> forgotten about that bit that bit it slipped yeah, my mind i think you, you have to forget about it because if not it, it messes with the enjoyment but of the, the film. theme if, if you listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. through the theme you've got the original magnificent yeah, I know, I, and I've got some music Have from you? the soundtrack oh, that cool. I've got that I'm going to play to finish this off. And, in the okay, and you, you do you do hear bits of the original theme coming back in. I'm, I'm gonna so from the original and from this remake. Can you tell me the th- three that were left? 
the three that were left in the original and the okay, I that's, guess that's uh, a, yeah. Okay, okay, okay we'll t- we'll tell you. Uh, okay, guys, if you're listening yeah. to this, you should have watched the Magnificent Seven. It's an old film. It's your fault if we give you any spoilers. Oh, right, okay. No, no, no. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it was a spoiler. We won't worry about it. But I'm sure most people would have seen this. Yeah, well, well, I think the new one, maybe not. I yeah, mean, the 90s, no, yes, 1960s, yeah. I mean, is your fault if you haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I can't actually answer that can, question. I can't answer that question. Because although you, you, you said something earlier that made me think, oh, hang on, that means he must have survived. But in my head, I was thinking, I thought he died. <laughs> but that was... But I was like, okay, I guess, I guess he did it. But, um... So yeah, so it's just a film in which I just think I, I I just don't know why they made this film. I really really don't know why they made this film. It's it. Really... Uh, I, well, that's it. But going going back to Ben Hur, why did they make Ben Hur? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> why? It's, and, it's, and this is the this is the thing with so Ben Hur. <laughs> oh the most, the most famous version of Ben Hur is itself a remake. Yeah, it's in itself it's a remake, but. They had something that they wanted to add. The original, the Ben Hur before that had been a silent one. Now it was in black and white. Now we're going to do Ben Hur in color, and we're going to do something for this time, and it's going to be, and we're we're going to add something to it. And then the new Ben Hur, it's kind of, it's a bit like you know, we're going to strip out all the philosophical thing. We're going to strip yeah. out all the stuff that made the story more than just some random revenge story. We're going to strip all that stuff out, and we're going to try and maybe do something with a chariot race or anything like that. But we're going to give you nothing. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, why remake it? Why, it, why remake it? If yeah. you're going to remake something that is classic, that has it, do it because you have a very good reason. Because you have, you think that story has something to say about us today. That story is still pertinent, but just needs a new coat of paint to yeah. make people take the story in and take this. But you don't take the story and then strip out the things that made it work in the first place and then just give you the bits where things blow up. Have you uh, seen Ben-Hur yet? I haven't seen Ben-Hur. Oh, right, okay. I, I seen... wouldn't worry. <laughs> You're not that's, missing much. That's the, thing. the trailer for the new Ben-Hur doesn't really make me want to no, watch it. It, no. doesn't, it doesn't really make me because I, I don't see anything in the trailer that tells me we've made this film for a good reason. I, I, re- I really, really don't. Mm. Uh, it's... it's it, no, no, this, I just don't. <laughs> and it's, it, yeah, but it... Uh. Oh, dear. Yeah, I, you know, it's, a, it's so, a point, really. I mean, I enjoyed the... I mean, I like the, the Westerns anyway, so be, being a fan of Westerns, obviously I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah. this film. You're you going to enjoy it because, I mean, it's a Western back on screen. I mean, the Westerns seem to be making a bit of a comeback. Yep. So I think I think it's, it's quite good that... I, I think of the modern Westerns that have been made, you know, this is... this. This stands up pretty good as you yeah, know, yeah, as, yeah. as a Western I think, film. I think this 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 one is it's a film that is it's more like a it, this is like a um a, a Western from the heyday period of Westerns with a new coat of paint. Yeah. Well, I um when when I went to see it, there were uh, a chap that I know, and he brought along his two sons who mm-hmm. I don't know probably late teens. Yeah. And at the end of it, I, I actually asked him, I said, so what did you think? And he went, oh, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so hopefully this will bring a, a younger audience into Westerns and maybe maybe we'll have a bit of a revival because it's... Uh, well, I, mean, I over, suppose it is, really. Oh, yeah, over the last, Eight. Two, over yeah. the last two years, Hateful Eight, Bone Tomahawk, Slow West. Django. Yeah, Django Unchained. Um, you had the the Salvation. Salvation, yeah. yeah so Jane they, Got a Gun. 
Ja, ja. Ja, det var det var no. Western, I suppose. It is a Western. It is a Western, and I think that's all we're going to say. They had such they had such a good opportunity with that one, and they just messed it up. Yeah, they seriously, seriously messed it up. They did indeed. So, um, one thing I would say about the film, we spoke about the. I'm gonna play some. I'm gonna play some music now. We're gonna finish off the show by playing off some music from the new Magnificent Seven movie. It does. It does pay homage. You can hear. You can hear the original. So like, because they don't really play the full blown tune until the end. And you can hear in this. You can hear little bits of the of the of the original sort of trying to break out, break out trying yeah. to break out. And then they sort of like and they tease you with it. This was the last score written by James Horner, who is he's a. Uh, he's one of the modern greats, along with like you know your Hans Zimmer's mm. and your Danny Elfman's and people like that. Some of your modern greats of like film music, and he does did quite a bit of stuff with James Cameron. He did a score for Titanic. I think he did stuff for Aliens as well. I think yeah, hold on. I think he did Terminator. Right? Yeah. I okay. We okay. might not. Don't 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 no, don't quote me on you. that. Don't quote me on that. But he he worked a lot with James Cameron. But he died um earlier this year. Oh. And this is the final thing that he worked on, and I think it's um it's it's good that he did that. So, thank you so much for joining us for the show today. Thank you for um, listening. Indulging thank you f- us this yeah, week. Thank, thank you for you indulging much. us this week in the hospital. <laughs> thank you for indulging us. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, if you've gotten this far, well done. Um, go watch all these films and let us know whether we're right or wrong on our Facebook page which is they don't make them like they used to and also on the links wherever you hear this podcast uh, please do let us know whether you think we're total idiots <laughs> or, or whatever it is but here um, thank you once again remember as always they don't make them like they used to and here is some music from the new Magnificent Seven movie that as we said and listen out listen out for strains of the original theme in here good night see you guys next week good night <laughs>